This morning I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 58, and this is the New International Version. And in this, God is contending with his people. Shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and why have you, why have you not seen it? And why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free? And break every yoke. Is not, is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will come quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. The word of the Lord. From the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, Jesus instructs his followers. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? But it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others that they may see your good good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Let your light shine before others. And so let us pray, invoking that light. Gracious God, bless us on this day as we consider our gifts and the ways that through story and song you lead us um, to create community, to participate in your kingdom. Amen. Joy Harjo is one of my favorite poets. Uh, she's the current uh, poet laureate of the United States. I don't know how many people know her work, uh, but she's an incredible voice, jazz musician, uh, artist. Um, she's also a tribal member of the Muscogee people. Uh, they were people forcibly remo- removed from their lands in the early 1800s forced to immigrate from Mississippi out to Oklahoma, part of that trail of tears that we all know from American history, AP history. I heard her read the first time uh, back in the 1980s uh, down in Tucson, Arizona. I was a high school student, mostly interested in sports, uh, mostly interested in myself um, and what I'd be doing next. Um, but I happened to be working on a research paper, and I was at uh, Bookman's um, bookstore, and um, working in the coffee shop, and a poet came to read. And the impression that you got from her, she's just this beautiful, beautiful spirit, and her words have power. Her words are music. I've spoken a couple of times about the poem that I heard that day, and it opened within me a longing to hear the word, to hear truth. The poem that she spoke on that day, they pointed to the pain and the love in her life. They pointed to, paradoxically, uh, the tears, but also the exaltations in her life. The poem that I heard that day was a poem called Horses, And I memorize it from time to time. I have to go back to find the words again. But the refrain is, she she had some horses. She had some horses she loved. She had horses she hated. They were the same horses. And then you hear the story about the pain that I think is autobiographical of uh, the pain and yet the love in her life, her, her children, her work, the abuse that happened to her from her father and then her adopted father. Uh, the complexity of life is contained in her words, and it points uh, not to loss and to despair, which one could easily go to, but point to a sense of being part of something greater, a purpose of you know, solidarity and being participating in community through the power of the word. 
to such you know, uh, you know, solidarity. She reminds us in her words of our nation's history that words that can inspire many, those same words can also be used to put down and to oppress others. Harjo reminds us that, quote, until the passage of the Indian Religious Freedom Act of, do you know what year that occurred in? 1978. 1978. It was illegal, illegal for Native American, uh, uh, it was illegal for Native Americans to practice our cultures. This is from her perspective. This is what she said. This is, in, this included the making and the sharing of songs and stories in our native language. Songs and stories in one culture are poetry and prose in another. They are intrinsic to cultural sovereignty. To write or to create as a native person was essentially illegal. End quote. There is something symbolic about Harjo being named Poet Laureate now. At this time of of political contrast and political anger and bipolarism. She is, in fact, the first Native American to hold the position of U.S. Poet Laureate, and I am grateful for it. The Library of Congress uh, 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 alludes to the fact that her position, her, her position is to lift up justice, to lift up healing, to lift up transformation. And not only is that her work as the National Poet Laureate, it is our work as well. Maybe this is what we are called to do as Christians on this day, to lift up in our life, to lift up dreams of justice, to lift up stories of healing, to lift up the uh, parts of transformation in our community that are good, that are a light to the world. We are called to build up neighbors and strangers. We're called to always point to Christ's light, the work of the cross. Now, this day is an important day as, as we worship, uh, as we, we sing these songs, as we gather in. We're grateful for the youth and leadership on this day. And we're grateful for you, know, Marsha Douglas, and your gifts on piano. You're a busy and active teacher, and so the last couple of weeks, you've taken a Tuesday night when you're exhausted from working with all your wee ones, and you've spent a half hour uh, you know, working with our high school students uh, to prepare them to sing these songs, to lead your people in worship. Now, I don't know how many of you, you know, saw this, uh, I think this was two weeks ago, but when we were all singing around this piano and just banging it out and, and praying, there was people, there was people playing, and of course when you're doing, uh, practices, sometimes there's, there's lots of things going on, there's just been great energy in this group, a lot of his hard work, but a lot of his playing, laughing, but at one point there was just this, this energy and it was contagious, but out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that this door had been opened, and there was somebody standing there. Did any of you notice the individual who was standing there? Anyway, I kind of went over to them and said, hey, you know, can I help you? And we walked outside. And you know what had happened? They had been uh, over here at the bed and breakfast. It was probably around 7 o'clock at night. And they had heard the music coming from inside the church, and they thought something was happening, something good was happening. And they wanted to come and see. 
They wanted to come and hear. How often does that happen to us? Where we want to to come close, to come and see. How often do we have the opportunity to, to participate, to be invited to hear the good news? I'm glad that this person wasn't invited. They just came. They knew it was an implicit invitation. Now, there are two sides to this coin of good news. On one side, we can be grateful for the opportunities to hear the good news that we are lifted up in God's light. That we are not people of darkness, none of us. We are people of light. That is the significance of the waters of baptism. All of us are children of God. It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters that God loves us and that God created you. That's what we believe. And the other side of the coin, we are called to minister, to care, and to share, to respond, to make life more interesting, to be the salt of the earth. To hear God's good news is to to move in some ways from maybe buying into this belief, and it is a belief that the world is full of darkness. No, we believe on this day that we are part of God's light. And to hear the good news too, again, the other side of the coin, is to respond and to listen to where God is calling us to minister and to serve and to lead, to be the salt to God's earth and creation. Let us affirm on this day, I'm going to need an amen here in a second. Is it darkness that defines us? No way. No way. Darkness does not define us. All of us have our dark moments. I'm not denying that. But I'm saying that darkness does not define you. The darkness does not make you be in some kind of box that you're never going to get out of. No. The darkness actually is just part of this earth, a part of a, a creation that's good, but yet it's broken. And so we got to respond and we got to, we got to look for the light of Jesus, the light of this, of our eternal Father that's all around us. To hear words of grace and, and light, they are a reminder that we are not alone. We're never alone. That's good news. Amen. We come into Jesus' presence. We come into Jesus' presence we, when we can share our trials and tribulations, when we can speak our peace, even if it's, if it's feeling hurt and angered, the very fact, the gift of being able to share our heart with other people, it's an acknowledgement that we're not alone. And when we receive this light, it doesn't mean that we're called to show off or uh, to be engaged in spiritual gymnastics. That's not the point of the light. Spiritual gymnastics is not, is not what we're called to do. We are called to simply, simply acknowledge that God loves us and that we're, uh, God's children. I'm glad that we got some, some children voices over here. So we're reminded of how great it can be to be hiding in the pews and looking under the seats and, and looking at all these strange people all around you. Because if we can, see as God sees us, if we can love as God loves us, if we can forgive as God forgives us, our life is going to be profound. And it's not going to have to be spiritual gymnastics. This is what it means to receive the light. Accept on this day that you are accepted. Accept that you are a child of God. 
Except that when you come in through these doors, that you are graciously blessed with God's light and it shines all around you. He wants you to see you as He sees you. That's our call. That's our charge. And in doing so, we begin to see as we acknowledge that God loves not only myself, but others, we're called to love others as God loves us. As salt, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to enrich the earth in ways that prepare it for good news. Today is Soup Sunday, and we have all the tables are set, the flowers are in place, the salt and the pepper are there. Ooh, when you, when you use some salt on your, on your soup, you're not gonna need a lot, but you might need a little bit just to make it a little tastier. But may that be a reminder that it's in the preparation, the hands, Fred and Debbie, the hours that you took yesterday. Ministry is about preparing and, and using your gifts to put in the time. And that's when we, we get to see that to be the soul of the earth means that we're part of Jesus' love revolution. Bill and Kathy, we're so glad you're there. We're reminded of the love revolution that we talked about uh, last year. A love imbued into this order that we live in ways gratifying to the just and merciful God. Salt is, let's get earthy here, salt is like manure and it gets things growing. Gets things growing in life. So that we experience God's healing and light, God's love and joy, God's freedom and God's grace. To be salt is the point to God's kingdom. And the coin flips again and again. We can see as God sees us. We can love as God loves us. We can forgive as God forgives us. We want to sing so loud on this day that people walking by on the street want to say, hey, I want to be part of that love. I want to be part of that compassion. I want to be part of that grace. We want to sing so loud on this day that the timbers shake and people start saying, is there an earthquake up there in Mendocino? We want to sing so loud today with joy in our hearts that it overflows. And so in our world, individually, where we have pain and sorrow, that we can hold on to that light amidst those troubles and troubling waters, that we might be rescued from trials and temptations, that we might be lifted up so that we know that we're not alone. Of course, we got to come back. we got to come back to and acknowledge the gift, the gift of being able to be sitting here, to being able to read Scripture, to sing songs, Freely. Freely. That doesn't happen every place in the world. It doesn't happen everywhere. It hasn't happened everywhere in this very country till what was the year that, that Native Americans were finally able to practice it? Any of you kids remember? 1978. I remember that. The year after Star Wars came out. <laughs> to, to think that people couldn't Worship the way that they were called to worship is just astounding to me. And as Christians, we, we want to be inclusive of everyone. And in that conversation, we're going to be doing it in New Mexico. We want to hear what is, what's the passion of other people's lives. We're not afraid to hear what other people think is good. Those are great conversations to have. And you know what? We get changed in the process. We get to learn that our faith is not in a, in a silo. 
Our faith is about the stories of life. We must remember and give thanks for this gift of freedom so that all people have a home. In Isaiah, in the text that we heard today from Isaiah, Isaiah sings the story of God's solidarity to a people in exile. To a people who weren't in Israel, to a people who were up in Assyria, to a people who had been demolished like the Native American peoples in our country. People who had walked their trail of tears like the Choctaw had. To a people like Harjo's who had walked that awful trail of tears from Mississippi to Oklahoma. Yet Isaiah's vision affirms that the Lord will guide you continually. That the Lord will satisfy your needs and make your bones strong. That the Lord will create a watered garden and like a spring of water, waters will never fail. Oh, that is a good thing. The towers will be rebuilt. And that you will be lifted up as a people, you will rise up and you will tell the story of the God who creates and redeems and sustains. Your light, your light will shine in the darkness. Let us honor all people on this day as we eat and drink. Let us honor all people who are in exile in this country and in others. Let us all, all, all people who have been brought home under God's house. All people who cannot tell their stories and point to God's grace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's join together in a prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your light and for the salt. For with those two things, it's two sides of the same coin. That we might love one another as you love us. That we might embrace one another, reaching out to the foreigner, to those in exile, to those who are troubled, offering of our very selves. This is what your son Jesus taught us to do. This is the good news of the gospel. Help us to live into it this week. As we give these gifts on this day, bless them that they might be used for your church, that they might be used for your mission, that they might be used to bring light and hope, to bring salt, preservation to this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.